Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Now, here's a double shot from our featured artist today, Nolan Selwood. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
Selwood from his brand new release, and we got Nolan on the line. Hey, Nolan, how are you today? Hello, I'm doing great. I'm living the dream and doing it all. All right. Now, let's um, start things off by giving our fans an opportunity to get to know who you are. And the best way to do that is, is to talk about your story, how you got to where you are today. So, give us the story of Nolan Selwood. Give us the the quick recap of my life. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> so, I'm a songwriter in Minnesota, um, down in the South Metro, and I don't know. I've listened to a lot of music. You know, I've just always had sort of a deep understanding of how music affects people. And over the years, I just started to think, hey, maybe I can try and do this, maybe. So, you know, I listen to artists like Michael Franks, Nick Drake, all those other good folk singers from, well, Michael Franks is not really a folk singer, but a lot of folk singers from, like, the 70s. And I just wanted to try and make stuff on my own because I, it's very hard to find that kind of music nowadays. I know it's kind of fallen a little bit out of favor, but I still love it, and I feel like a lot of people do still love it. So I thought, hey, maybe try to write my own songs. So after a couple of years, just started trying to make music. I don't know, I didn't really have a vision in mind. I didn't really have, like, an end goal. You know, I, I didn't even know I was going to make an album. I didn't even know I was going to go into a studio. So I was like, hey, I got some money. Might as well, like, record a couple songs and then see how it goes. And then that's how I met John Wright here at uh, Savage for the Villa Studio. And I just kind of contacted him. I was like, hey, I have some songs, and, like, I could record them maybe. So, you know, we talked a little bit, and we had a similar interest in folk. You know, he, he's a... Uh, he's very interested in folk. He did a lot of music in that area, and it was just it went out from there. We just kept contacting, got into the studio, and then started recording. And then a lot of people seemed to be interested in the album. You know, we'd got uh, some help from funding from a well, philanthropist here in Minnesota, uh, Bob McMiniman. He helped out a lot for the process, and after that, we just recorded the album, and then we're just making new songs. I'm making new songs, doing everything that I can. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it all happened so fast. Like, I I only had, like, three songs ready. I was like, hey, I can record these three songs and then, like, be done. But then I, one thing led to another, and I was just like, time to pimp out ten songs and then time to make more, <laughs> like, <laughs> immediately after. Um, but, you know, it's, it's it just all happened. It all came naturally, and then 
now we're on the road to another album. Now, you know, I have to ask, how did you come across Michael Franks? Because I, I know Mike, Michael Franks. I've been a fan of his many, many years, Popsicle Toes, and you know, my <laughs> yeah. baby cooks me eggplant about 19 different ways. Sometimes I just eat it raw with mayonnaise. With mayonnaise. That's right. <laughs> You know, and so I've I have never in my life ran across anyone who was a Michael Franks fan. So how did you get to Michael Franks? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like I'm young. I'm I just turned nineteen. A lot of people ask me the question of like, how did you find all these old people? Like, you're not you're not old. I'm like, I know, but it I. I, I used to, back in middle school, I used to ride the bus a lot every day to school, and it would take a little bit, be like a 30-minute bus drive. And that's when I would just sit in the back and listen to music, and I would explore everything that there was. Uh, and then I was like, hey, smooth jazz. So I started exploring that, and then that's how I discovered Michael Franks. And I just, on a, a random playlist, I listened to one of his songs, and I was like, huh, this guy's kind of good. So I started exploring all the different songs, like even the lesser known songs by him like when blackbirds fly back from one of his first albums mm -hmm. uh just the lady wants to know all of it was just so captivating and that that was probably the first time when i really discovered music when i actually discovered how it could affect people and i was like this is amazing and then i just kept going on from there i kept branching out seeing different things but he always he gave me that first start in the music okay well that's fair now let's talk about um you as a songwriter you know you're 19 years old and you know you started getting into songwriting and every songwriter has their process they have their method that they use that gets the gears rolling that taps into their muse what is your process when you sit down to begin to write that allows you to kind of tap into the muse and get the gears rolling and, and, and get things flowing? Um, I would say the very, very first thing uh, I do is tunings. Like, I have my guitars, but I explore, like, all different kinds of tunings. I'm, I'm in whatever. I'm in drop D, I'm in drop C, I'm in... B E B E B E B E. I'm in whatever, right? And I just explore everything that the guitar could possibly do. I do every single kind of combinations, even like half capos when you put it on just some strings and leave the other ones open. I try to explore as much as possible to get the most unique sound out of my guitar. And I just, whenever I find a good tuning that I think sounds great, I just start exploring. I just start doing chords that would probably not work on standard, but then they work on this tuning, and they sound completely unique. And then I try different finger-picking styles, uh, I just do whatever sounds great, and then after that I have my, you know, chord progression, whatever I want, and then usually I'll maybe write down lyrics beforehand, but then I'll just start playing the song over and over and over again, until, and when I have the actual chords down, I'll put on my webcam, my computer, and record it just so I don't forget, <laughs> especially right down the tuning because I will never remember that. But after that, I just keep playing it until lyrics just come out, until I have a vision in my mind of what the song needs, you know, what the song's meaning is. 
and then I just write that down too, and then I just keep fiddling with it, you know, changing the different progressions over time, but pretty much I'm very, I just sit down for a couple of hours and then make a song. It's not like, you know, I make one part today, the next part tomorrow, and then work on it throughout, throughout the week. I just sit down, I just have everything slow down. I, in living in this fast-paced world, I just want to sit down and get it right. I don't want to rush anything. I just want to do it from start to finish, roughly, in like a couple, say like six hours, and then just sit there and make the song. You know, and obviously I'll, I might make changes later on, but that's just the process for me. I just sit down, change the tuning to whatever I like, and then try to make a song, and then try the chord progression on different tunings, see if it'll sound better. But roughly, it's just sit down, make the song, and see what comes natural. Okay. Now, you know, a lot of songwriters have embraced technology as tools in their toolkit. Uh, You had mentioned that you use your webcam on your computer to kind of record things, get, you know, remember where the tuning is. What are some of the tools that you have found that have been indispensable to you as a writer? Yeah, I mean, just the camera tool on my computer and notepad that's pretty that's pretty much all i use i go on notepad to my song lyrics like tab and then it's like almost a thousand lines long and i just add to that i just keep adding and adding and adding and then go to the camera application on my computer and just click record and then play whatever i probably have over a hundred videos of me just playing stuff from throughout the years and uh, I sometimes go back every once in a while and try to go through each and every video to see, you know, what I what I made and what I could make in the future. So those are those are pretty much all I use. Sometimes I use pen and paper, but I lose those because I'm not very organized. But just Notepad and the camera application—that's all I use. Okay. Now, um, the one of the, the the one moment I think a lot of songwriters have trouble with is that moment where you need to put the pen down, where you need to stop the writing process, move the song into production, and even then it it evolves from there, you know, even more. But you have to get to that point where you move it and you give it to the band, you give it to the producer, and you know allow them to kind of put their fingerprints on it. What do you do to determine that moment in a song's life? That's 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 one that's difficult for me. Uh, I mean, as of recent, I've I love just writing very short songs. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that the song is bad for being short, but you know, uh, Nick Drake's Pink Moon and stuff like that, and you know, songs don't have to be you know, like five, five, four minutes long, I just, I, I stop where I feel the song has come to a natural conclusion. And oftentimes, you know, when I get into the studio or when we add more instruments, it sometimes is difficult for the song to conclude that way because I'm just here with my guitar. I'm just doing it in a very solemn and mellow uh, way. And then when we add more stuff to it, you know, it might need a little more. So even when we're recording it in the studio with the band and with the drums, uh, we you know think to ourselves, hey, maybe we could repeat a line just to have it finish a little longer. And then we're like, sure, go ahead. Because it's very hard 
to anticipate that when you're just writing a song on your guitar alone. So I feel like I just go to what is the natural conclusion for me on my guitar, but I'm not I'm not afraid to extend it a little bit or even shorten it a little bit, depending on what instruments we're playing with and stuff like that. So it's very much it depends on when we're actually in the studio. But for the most part, just when it's natural, you're playing it out loud. Okay. Now, um, having a good song gives you something to say, but, you know, going into the studio, that's another art form that creates not only the identity of the song, but also the identity of you, an artist, by the sound, by your what you capture in that environment. And every artist has their way of working in a studio. Uh, tell me a little bit about your process when you go into the studio that allows you to capture the sound you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, when I go to the studio, John Wright, the producer... He, mar- he pretty much knows what I'm trying to capture. He knows what I'm trying to do, and we both work work with each other to make the sound what we want it to. But mainly, when we have drums there, we all play it live, and then we capture the drums, and then come back later and re-record all the lines. But with songs without drums, we just have me playing guitar, and then me singing after it, and it's just so simple. I don't you know, want to be extravagant and stuff like that but main thing that I have trouble with right now in studios is uh, working with a click or working with a metronome so you know I play in my internal clock as of right now like I play how I feel the song's tempo should be but then we try to change change the tempo or have at a fixed tempo I have a hard time I, I differentiate off of it a little bit but we're working with that uh, and I'm trying my best not to mess up, but you know, it's very, I feel like we all know what we're doing and we all collaborate with each other. So I just come in with my songs and my guitar and then all the other musicians, you know, the bassist, which is John Wright, he also plays bass. Uh, Steve Lado does a lot of the other background guitar and compositions after the fact. And they pretty much, I play the song and then they add to it. They add what is needed to make that song to its best potential. And then we have Mario Dawson, our drummer, you know, play to what we want, to play, play to the energy that we want out of the song. And then besides that, we just all collaborate to make the song the song. It's not just me, right? We all is in a collaborative effort. Collaborative effort. Okay. Now, um, tell me a little bit about the lineup. Who's playing on it? Yeah, so John Wright is the producer, but he's also the bassist. You know, he plays electric bass as well as, uh, you know, upright bass. Uh, and Steve Lato is my, my favorite guy. He, we, we talk about music all, all the time. You know, we all listen to Michael Franks and Nick Drake and all that stuff. Uh, he plays guitar as well as doing some arrangements at the end of the song. Like you want to do on the last, on the first album, he did some pipa and a violin and stuff like that. Uh, Mario Dawson, the drummer, he's fantastic. Love hanging out with that guy. Um, we were, we just had, I was just hanging out with him a couple of days ago in the studio. Uh, and then the, those are the main band members. We also had uh, Noah. Can't remember, I can't remember his last name, but he's a very very good drummer in the last album as well. Uh, that's basically the lineup for people that are making the music 
and all that stuff. We also have a photographer who I just did a session with not too long ago named April Bogatz. You know, we just go out and more or less, like, I, I feel like what's so special to me in my environment is that all of the people that I work with, it's not like a purely professional. You know, we, me and April just kind of like go into the woods for photography and then just like talk and then like hang out. You know, we all talk about our stories and talk about what's special to us. And I feel like we all do that in, in my studio. And that's really what helps me capture my music very well. Okay. Now, um, of course, we have to get it out there. You have to create the buzz. You have to get it to radio. You have to get it to press. And you're working with uh, Krista Valenkis of uh, Tinderbox. Uh, music. Tell me a little bit about that relationship. Yeah, I mean, we have some great people uh, working with us, trying to get this album to what it needs to be. So yeah, so we're working with Tinderbox and Krista, just getting all of the you know interviews and pub publicity stuff, as well as we have. I have another good friend, uh, Ken Onstad, who is basically moving this ship. He is, he has the, all the connections. Ken Onstad is getting everything situated to what he wants this album to go. You know, he wants to see this album branch out and get places. So he is really the driving force in all of this. And as well as Bob McMenamin, he's funding a lot of this. So I feel like I have a lot of great people working with me and trying to get this out there and I really appreciate all of them okay now let's talk a little bit about the industry um, over the course of the last 20 years which you haven't seen all of the 20 years since you're only 19 <laughs> I'm, um, I'm close I'm just one year off you're one year off right but the, the digital revolution really gave rise to this world of streaming and I know that this is your world. You sit in the back of the bus. You probably listened to a lot of Spotify and, and and picked up on Michael Franks by going through these new streaming platforms. Um, and it's become a way that the consumer has really embraced as a way to consume music. The problem is, is that back in the day when I used to listen to music, music, recorded music was a product. You went out, you bought your vinyl, you bought your cassette, you bought your A-track, you bought your CD or the download or whatever the case may be. But you purchased that music, that recorded project. But now the consumer no longer purchases. They don't want to store it. They don't want to store it on their phone. They don't want to store it in their house. How has this shift in perception of recorded music affected you as an artist? I think a lot of ways it's affected me is that on a lot of these streaming platforms is the only way we can get music now. You know, we have to go through you know Spotify, iTunes, and stuff like that. And in that process, we have lost a lot of good music, a lot of old good music. Uh, I know a lot of Kenny Rankin stuff is not. I, I can't find a lot of it on streaming platforms, and just a lot of old stuff that was you know, is now buried underneath this new big streaming platform that, you know, is so ginormous and, you know, everyone's making music nowadays. Everyone's making albums and releasing it and it's so hard to, you know, find a lot of the 
old and great stuff in amongst all these new stuff, which not saying the new stuff isn't bad, but it's unfortunate how we are no longer being able to capture all of what music has to offer. And, you know, making money nowadays is extremely difficult. Like you said, no one's buying the actual music. They're just gaining access to the streaming service, which then streams the songs to them. As well as the internet, a lot of, you know, piracy downloads. I feel like that has massively impacted the way music is seen now because, you know, nobody wants to pay so much money when they could just like, boop, I have it for free now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's very hard to combat that. I would hate to see the music industry start to dwindle over the years, which I, I don't think it will, but it's very hard for new artists to get in here, to get into this new age of music and to be seen. That's just the main, main problem is that new great artists, it's, it's very much difficult to be seen. Yeah, I definitely agree. Now, you know, one of the things I think what has happened with the diminished revenue that you get from streaming as opposed to selling, you know, a product uh, has really um, created an unsustainable business model where um, the, the music industry's middle class is starting to diminish and the recording industry is starting to feel the pinch. Because if an artist can't afford to go into the studio, record a project, and recoup that investment, then that industry is going to suffer for it. What do you think needs to happen to kind of um, right this ship and get things back to where the artist is now kind of getting compensated for their work? That's a difficult question. I mean, I am very, very lucky to have the monetary value in order to be a rule of record in the first place. You know, if I was just doing this alone, I would have no shot in getting to where I was, where I am. But I feel like, you know, these streaming services, they gain so much from the top 1% of, you know, musical artists that generate billions and billions of views as opposed to maybe the one that does like 100,000. Now, I've been watching some of the um, new technology that's been happening today, uh, definitely in, in the world of a blockchain-based streaming like Audius and Emanate and, and how they're claiming to pay up to 90% back to the artist again. And it's all based on this blockchain, this, this technology that cryptocurrency is, is based on. What do you think of that being the new technology that takes over for uh, where we are today and hopefully writes the ship and, and pays the artists what they're worth? I think it can definitely be a big thing. I feel like you know any new competition can be great. It's just a matter of you know a lot of cryptocurrency projects in the past that's not specifically tar targeted toward music but anything that is, you know, it has to be not anonymous. I think there are many instances where people have tried to pull a quick one on people, but I, I don't feel like this is the case. I feel like, you know, this is a very good way to get people actually paid for stuff that they do and to actually generate revenue for both the company and for the artist. 
So I'm not too familiar with you know cryptocurrency and blockchain blockchain stuff like that. But anything that can help artists, you know, become artists, you know, would be fantastic for everyone involved. Okay. Now, um, when the pandemic hit, a lot of artists went on the internet and they started to create content, um, whether it was music videos, live streams, uh, and they started to work their their social media, because let's face it, we all had time. And I think a lot of artists started to realize that if they created almost a reality show type mentality to their content and they started to let their fans into their world, their world outside of music, that the fans really gravitated towards that. Um, how are you dealing with this world of content creation and social media marketing in your attempt to, to market this particular release? Yeah, I mean, about COVID is roughly when the time that I started really doubling down and making music. So I had a lot of time to myself. I feel like a lot of people did. And, you know, I used to make a lot of videos on the internet, uh, you know, YouTube, doing live streams, stuff like that. So I feel like a lot of people can get behind the idea of not having their social media specifically targeted towards only doing and showing music, but also showing the life of the person doing the music. So I will do my best at you know, showing everybody what it's like to be, well, not specifically me, but be an artist in this day and age. But, uh, you know, the worst thing about that is that you're exposing yourself, you know, you are showing everyone, you know, what you are, and you're not leaving anything hidden behind doors, you know, figuratively. And for a lot of people like me, that can be kind of difficult, especially talking to new people and talking about yourself is a bit of a struggle. And if you're not prepared to let it all on the line for people to see, then it can be very, you know, interesting on the results. So I feel like people have to be ready to show people who they are and be ready for all, all different kinds of responses because, you know, it's the Internet. People are not always going to like you. But as long as you are confident in yourself and your own abilities and who you are, then I feel like you'll do fine. And that's what I'm going to be working on. Okay. Well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun. So I've been thinking about this time. I don't really know the reason why. And the strength of effervescent lights Apart down until the ever-approaching night
independent artist or a fan that loves them making a scene.org is the place for you for the music fan we bring you in-depth interviews and cd reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music for the independent artist we bring you articles on music business recording techniques gear reviews and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Yeah, I got the girl, I got the time to move. 
Shout now, honey. Gonna 